Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey everybody, before we start this show, I just wanted to let y'all know that we have a new really amazing Facebook group going. So if you look for Wedding Film Academy Facebook group, you'll find the page and you'll have to just answer two simple questions to make sure that you're going to send out good vibes to everybody in the group before we let you in. But hop on over there and join that group. Also, if you have other friends in the industry, go ahead and add them to the group as well. We're really trying to build something that's centered around the idea of encouragement and, and building one another up. Uh, as well as giving others a, a leg up when they need it. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're going to do pretty close to a weekly film critique. So if you hop on over to our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you can actually enter in to potentially have your film live critiqued by us on the Facebook group. And it's been a really awesome experience so far. We've done two of them so far, and we have... Uh, several, several dozen have been submitted. So uh, we can't get to everybody's right away because we're only, only going to do one week and we're having a ton of submissions, but we would love for you to submit one of your films over at weddingfilmacademy.org. And then definitely make sure you join the Facebook group so that you can know when your film is going to be judged live. So hop on over to that Facebook group and we will see you there. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. I just got back from WPPI. Uh, if you're watching the video of this, you're seeing me um, with kind of a ghetto setup here. And hopefully you're not noticing it on the audio version, but we'll, time will tell because I left some of my gear at home. Anyways, uh, I am still kind of recovering. How about you? Lee, uh, Lee Morris from F-Stoppers is with us today. So I'm super excited. I actually met Lee for the first time this week. Lee, how are you recovering? Uh, pretty well. This, this was definitely my easiest trip to Vegas ever. I, I, I don't think I stayed out one night past 12 and I didn't have more than three drinks on any given day. So, um, you are, you are a picture of responsibility. I know, or I'm a picture of like total loser and, uh, doesn't know how to have fun anymore. But uh, I had an all right time. I felt like this WPPI, I don't know how long you've been going to WPPI, but like it just didn't feel the same to me. I, and I don't know exactly why that is. It could be partly my fault, but it just seemed like a couple years ago when maybe more than a couple years ago, there were all these like rooftop bars and like private suite parties, you know, like these these kind of like insider parties and stuff. And uh, Patrick and I were just talking about it like, man, we didn't go to a single you know, sweet party put on by Fuji or whatever. And it just kind of felt not necessarily smaller, but not, not as wild of a party as it has in the past. Well, maybe it's just cause you were too busy going to bed early. Maybe I all mean, the parties started after midnight. That would make sense. I suppose. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I personally had a blast. I haven't been going for as long as you. So last year was actually my first WPPI and compared to last year, I thought it was a huge improvement. I you heard know, last year was was bad because they moved it to like the convention center or something. So you had to get cabs out there every day. 
Yeah, I, I wrote in on the the shuttle, but last year was at the convention center, and so it was definitely like way more disjointed. Where like pretty much everybody was staying, you know, on one of the three connected properties there, so that definitely helped kind of keep the community together. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I, I talked to a few people and they said that they felt like this year was significantly better than last year. So I didn't go last year. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you stopped by our party for a little bit. So that was good. You got to you got to witness the the Wedding Film Academy in action a little bit. Uh, did you meet some good people? I appreciated uh, you inviting me out to that. I have never really been a wedding videographer, although I've considered it. Um but I, I was a professional wedding photographer for like 12 years. So kind of in the, in the same industry. Absolutely. And now you shoot a lot of video as well. So you sort of uh, have some insight on that stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done a couple of things at weddings before I did this one wedding video that I called a moving moment where I shot like ultra slow motion uh, footage of different moments at a wedding and it was a wedding that Patrick was shooting and it was great because there was no money on the line. I could just kind of do whatever I wanted. And I had so much fun filming this thing. It, you know, it was kind of like, imagine watching a slideshow in black and white of like, you know, 50 images from a wedding, but, but then imagine them like just barely moving. And I shot this a few years ago, you know, before cameras could really do it. And I used like software to uh, slow everything down. And I thought it turned mm-hmm. out really, really well. And I had so much fun doing it. And I thought, hey, I could I could do this, uh, you know, on the side while I still run F-stoppers. But uh, never never really got into it. Never made a website about it. Never tried it again. Um, maybe I should, though. Yeah. No, it sounds interesting. I always like, you know, things that sort of push the envelope. I actually had a buddy who did an entire wedding with nothing but cinemagraphs. So that was, you know, pretty interesting too. something that's completely different. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of a similar idea, but uh, nothing was perfectly still in mind. But I'd love to see that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So tell me, I'm just kind of interested in, in you and what you've been doing. I've been following you for a long time with F-Stoppers. Uh, you've had the YouTube channel and the website with, um, you know, all the contributors to the, um, to the website for a long time. Give me like a, if by some weird set of circumstances, someone has never heard of F-Stoppers, uh, tell me what F-Stoppers is about. It's funny. I think there's a lot of people who haven't heard of F-Stoppers. Maybe, maybe not your audience. Well, you know, our audience, uh, gets to see us uh, share your uh, your articles all the time. We're we're constantly sharing your guys' articles. So. Well, uh, we certainly appreciate that. But I would also imagine that since your podcast and everything, it's somewhat of a younger, more technical uh, crew. You know, I, I was just out here in Charleston, and there's this incredible uh, Facebook group. It's called like the Charleston Photographers Lunch Group or something. And there's over a thousand people in this Facebook group and it's, it, we're in a really small town in Charleston, South Carolina. And so every month we do a, uh, a lunch and I went to this lunch and I mean, there's probably over a hundred people at this lunch, um, in our little small town. And it's, it's so funny. I, I would venture to say that 80% of the people at this lunch have no idea what F-stoppers is. <laughs> and uh, Patrick and I always joke that like we can literally leave the country and more people will know what F-stoppers is than in our own hometown. 
But anyway, for for uh, the the one or a prophet in his own hometown, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, for the one or two people listening to this who don't know what F Stoppers is, it's just a photography blog um, where we have news and reviews and stuff, everything photo and video related. And then the way uh, we make most of our money is through selling uh, very long, in-depth photography tutorials, video tutorials. Um, so we have like headshot photography, architectural photography, wedding photography, um, product photography, swimwear photography, tons of different tutorials. And you can see those at fstoppers.com slash store. Um, but most of the money that we make on advertising and affiliate sales and stuff like that kind of just goes back to the writers and to pay for the website and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So outside of, uh, outside of F stoppers, what are you up to? I mean, you said you were a wedding photographer for 12 years. Is it just F stoppers for you now? Or are you shooting too? Yeah. So I, I really, I don't mind shooting weddings. Um, I, I still think like it's an incredible way to make a living. And I honestly feel guilty for turning down that kind of money for like a day of work or two days of work with editing. Um, the one reason why I stopped shooting weddings was because people wanted to book me a year or more than a year out. And it was really causing a problem with opportunities that would show up a year or a year and a half later. And I don't remember like mm. something happened. It was like somebody offered me a free trip to D Dubai or something awesome. And I was like, Oh, I have to shoot a wedding next weekend that booked me a year and a half ago. Like I can't accept the free trip or like whatever it was. And I just thought, right. you know, I don't have a problem shooting weddings, but I really don't want to book myself out um, that far in advance. And uh, you probably got the idea today. I also don't like to book anything in advance at all. So when you messaged me today about doing this <laughs> podcast, I was like, let's do it right now. I don't even, I don't even like planning things for later in the day if I don't have to. I, I, I like just the other day, my friend was like, Hey, this weekend, do you want to go get food somewhere? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, it completely lost. I left, it left my mind. And then the day of, she's like, Hey, I'm feeling sick. I don't know if I can do dinner. And I was like, Oh yeah. I wasn't even, I didn't even remember we had that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all okay. <laughs> exactly. So uh, my my dream and goal in life is to like never have anything that I have to do. And of course, that's not true all the time. But like 99% of my life at this point, uh, I can just kind of get up and do what I want. And um, it makes things very stress free to just if, if I have something I have to do, if I can do it immediately, then boom, my books are clear again. <laughs> Well, I think that is like the, uh, that's the YouTuber's dream right there. That's like every, I hear this, uh, hear this a lot lately that because I have some friends that work in like education, they're teachers or counselors in high school or something. And it used to be, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, well, I'm going to go play in the NBA. I'm going to go play football. I'm going to be a rock star. Now it's like, oh, I'm going to be a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We actually, we kind of said the same thing recently. Like, man, look at all these people killing it on YouTube. We're kind of struggling for, for being out as long as we have been. And we've been producing free content on YouTube for like eight years now. So we said for January, we're going to make a video every single day, 31 videos in 31 days. And uh, we're going to like take back this YouTube market 
And uh, man, we did a lot of work, more work than we've ever done before. And we saw a little bump in views, but, you know, we're not. We get about as many views in like a week on a video as Casey Neistat gets in about a minute, maybe <laughs> less than a minute. And so it's kind of depressing. So all you people out there who think like, oh, I'm just going to go on YouTube and make a million dollars, like certainly not that easy. Yeah, for sure. Some of those guys just blow my mind. Like, you know, Peter McKinnon getting 1.7 million views in like a year. Hey, one, I don't, I don't, I still don't quite know how he did that. I'm not totally familiar with him, but um, like I've seen one or two videos of his on YouTube and they're certainly good. Like they're very well produced videos. Sure. I, I don't understand how it's like, you know, is it really like a thousand times better than the other videos on YouTube for photography? Maybe so. And I, you know, I just don't quite get it. But there's a lot of weird stuff on YouTube um, that that I literally think is bad. Uh, not Peter stuff at all, but like right. especially stuff right. that like kids enjoy um, yep. Yep. that I literally do not understand. So yeah. I'm yeah. obviously getting too old. I'm with you. Like the gamers, the guys who get on YouTube and they're just like playing games and watch someone it. else play a video game. Yeah. I yeah. cannot I understand. Mean, I'm not a like a gamer myself. So like making the time to sit down and play a video game is like something I haven't done in years. Yeah. But watching somebody else play a video game and the fact that like tens of millions of people are watching each of these is mind blowing, isn't it? It's very strange. Very strange. But, uh, Maybe we're just getting old. If you can make money doing it, then like you are smarter than me. America. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about the the community that you're trying to build with F-Stoppers. You know, I think we had the dream from the very beginning. Like, I guess the, the very first thought with F-Stoppers was, hey, let's create a website that teaches photography through video rather than just written articles because both Patrick and I were lazy and we didn't like reading things. Um, that was the basic idea. And then like once after like a year and that was a success, we created the F stoppers forum back then, um, which has now been updated to like F stoppers groups and, uh, the community where you can upload photos and pictures and stuff. You know, it's, it's, it, it's nothing, uh, uh, different than any other websites trying to do. But the basic idea is, is that, you know, not only can you read interesting articles and watch videos on F stoppers, but you can also share your pictures and comment and ask questions and all the normal stuff. Yeah. What sort of like, I think it's interesting because there's there, I, I witnessed this at WPPI, right? There's this like huge community of photographers. And I think one of the things that seems interesting is that it seems like there's in general, like there's this really pretty positive vibe going on in the photography community. And then I hop over to, especially like, I mean, really any of the videos, uh, groups, whether it's, um, you know, wedding videographers, whether it's frugal filmmaker, uh, some of these bigger, uh, forums for filmmakers, it's like, it's sort of angry. Um, do, do you see any of this dynamic going on? It's like, uh, I don't know. There's, there's just more tension going on there. Do you have to see a lot of tension on your site? Um, so the negativity is definitely a problem, you know, on the internet in general. 
Um, we used to have a major problem with it on F stoppers where literally every comment was super negative. Um, and so what we ended up doing was we made commenting on F stoppers require an account rather than using the discuss, uh, plugin that, you know, you could comment any way you wanted with Facebook or email or whatever. We would just get anonymous trolls commenting nonstop. So although I can't say all negativity is gone. Um, it got a thousand percent better. And now most of the negative comments are, I would say, relatively fair. I, I think there definitely needs to be negative comments, but sure, the trolling sure. comments and the YouTube comments are just so ridiculous, you know, like just completely like inappropriate stuff being said, or like we did a video once, uh, like one of our last videos where I tried to recreate a photo I had already taken, but instead of doing it with strobe light, I tried to do it with hot lights to try to get like motion blur. And I thought it was really interesting uh, idea. Like how often do you get to see, to see somebody revisit a photograph and try to redo it better? It almost never happened. Like I've never taken the same picture twice. So I thought, oh, that's an interesting concept. And like one of the top comments was like, if you can't come up with a new idea, you just need to hang it up. <laughs> what the hell, man? Like every comment will be ultra, ultra negative. So anyway, um, we have kind of fixed that on F stoppers, just kind of making it, uh, once people have to put their real name and their website and their portfolio up, they're not going to be assholes as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Cause I'm, I'm still, I'm very interested in this. I, one of the things that I was loving about being at WPPI was feeling like when these people are together in person, and this is the case with any community, right? People hide behind keyboards and then they're very brave and, you know, they're very, um, they're, they're the best in the world, right? And so they're, they're, they're the great authority that, that's able to judge everything else and be able to tell Lee Morris that he needs to hang it up because he's trying to recreate his old photograph, right? But when you get those people together, everybody's very nice and enjoyable and fun to be with. And so I'm like, I'm super interested in, in building a community that is... Um, that's helpful to each other, you know, from a sense of being, uh, offering good, good critical feedback as well as, um, you know, encouragement as well as just a community. Um, but it seems that's just really a crazy challenge to accomplish online. Yeah. You know what I think a lot of it comes down to, and I've definitely not done a good job with this, but, uh, Pi Jerza from SLR Lounge. He does do a good job with it. I think as the owner of the community uh, or the admin or whatever, you just have to be super active yourself and you just have to lead the way. And then there's the second there's negativity, you just immediately private message the person and just say, hey, man, I love having you here, but your comments are getting a little bit too negative like we certainly want constructive criticism but you know i've looked at your last 10 comments and every single one of them is negative or mean and so i just want to give you a warning that like we don't have that stuff here and then if they keep doing it you just let them go you know you just kick them out and uh yeah yeah i think i've just seen pi really active on his facebook pages that he does for slr lounge 
and he's kind of leading the charge of positivity and happiness and sharing. And, uh, and so I think people follow that rather than just saying the thing that's going to get the most amount of views or reaction. Sure. Yeah. Well, something that we've been playing with because right now we just sort of stay active on the forums that other people own, but it's been something that we've really played around with. And so, you know, while I'm talking about this listeners, if, if something that you feel like would be helpful would be for us to create um, a new forum, like I would love to hear about that because I've sort of just played around with the idea because a lot of our, so much of our content uh, that we create on a, on a weekly basis um, the, the conversation sort of happens primarily just with people private messaging me follow-up questions or, or our guests um, following up with them. But it's like a lot of that I would like to be public access information. So it might be cool if we had a, a forum where we just discussed each week's, each week's podcast and everything else could sort of fall outside of the forum. Um, but anyways, just an idea we're playing with and I love what you're doing and, and really trying to build something that, um, you know, has, has directed conversation through the different articles and all that kind of stuff that you're doing. So hats off. Thanks. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again, and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get, and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leads go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Um, so talk to me a little bit. I mean, you guys, how many, um, how many different contributors do you have? Actually, I was looking through earlier today. And I saw there's a guy named Jordan Bush. So I was like, hey, I thought this was me. I glanced at it and I was like, wait, Jordan Bunch. I didn't write this article. Uh, <laughs> but you've got a ton of contributors to F-Stoppers. Um, yeah, we do. So um, we have two different tiers of writers. And we have contributing writers who, in most cases, are kind of like industry leaders. And they want to just use F-Stoppers to 
usually promote something that they're working on or working with or whatever. Um, they can kind of write whenever they want and they do not get paid. And then we have paid writers, um, which I would say is everyone else who has to write at least once per week. And um, they get paid based on the length of the post and how many views the post gets and stuff like that. And so I, I think at the moment we probably have 50 or 60 uh, writers for F stoppers. Everybody obviously is super, super part time. Um, you you could write a post in five minutes and, you know, some people spend hours writing posts. So it's huge range there. And uh, people are constantly coming and going. You know, I think a lot of people think that they want to be a writer for F stoppers and then uh, they, they do it for a week or two and go, ah, it's a little harder than I thought it would be. Or, you know, my, my posts aren't getting as many views as I thought, whatever it might be. So we're constantly hiring and people are constantly coming and constantly going. But um, I'm not sure that we need a certain number of writers. It's just that we want to have a certain number of free posts per day. And mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, I don't even know what that number is. Um, but uh, we have we have a guy named Alex Cook, who's like the head honcho. And he's not only the number one writer, he writes more than anyone else. I think he's at the moment doing like 60 posts a month. He also manages all of the writers now. He also hmm. edits the majority of the posts. And I believe he's currently finishing up his double doctorate in music and math. Good grief. He's like a super genius. And uh, he, he he might be moving to Charleston eventually to uh, work here in the office. But as of right now, he's working remotely. So you're going to hire your first PhD. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the PhD will have absolutely nothing to do with the company he's working for. Yeah, no, I figured that you really needed a PhD in math to run F-stoppers. So, <laughs> Well, it's interesting because um, math does come up occasionally. I recently did a video sure. and post on um, the amount of megapixels needed to fill up a billboard. I don't know if you saw this. No, I didn't. But I've seen this. I've seen this math tried to be accomplished many times. Okay, yeah. So you know, not only was I just doing the math of like how big is the billboard and how many pixels are on the billboard, but I was doing it based on viewing distance. And there's right. this equation that you can use to figure out how far away you are and your angle of view and blah 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 blah. And I thought for sure I did all the math right. And he edited my post and found like not just little mistakes, but like huge. Huge yeah. math mistakes. So uh, it's awesome. good to have somebody who is a math genius on board. So what was the result? How many megapixels do you need? For the average billboard with the average uh, viewing distance, less than two. That's what I was... I would have guessed something like that because you're, the the pixel density, density has to be tiny, right? Like how many... What's the DPI on, on a billboard? So... That's the, that's kind of the confusing part. Uh, one of the other things is like PPI versus DPI. So like DPI is specifically talking about the dots per inch that the printer prints to recreate the pixels. So DPI gotcha. would remain constant based on the printer and PPI pixels per inch would be dependent on like whatever camera you're using or whatever, you know, file you send in Photoshop to print. Um, I never... <sighs> That's actually not true. I did get a DPI on one on one printer that can print billboards, 
it could print at something like 280 DPI, which sounds pretty good, but most photo printers can print, I believe, at over three or 4,000 DPI. Um, that's not PPI. Like, most people would print right. around 300 PPI. Um, but just because the printer is capable of doing that, I'm not even sure that Photoshop is capable of of printing or, like, creating a document big enough right. to print at you know, it wouldn't be 300 DPI, but even if it was like 100 DPI, I'm not sure that Photoshop could even create that. Yeah. So in other words, we can make billboards with our 1080, with like a screenshot from 1080, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, That's and it crazy. makes sense too, because just, I don't know how long you've been in the industry, but I remember when digital DSLRs started coming out and they were like six megapixels and people were like, whoa, so much resolution. And like yep. billboards didn't look blurry back then. Yeah. Five megapixels was like, I feel like the standard for quite a while. It seemed like. Exactly. And yeah. Pretty crazy. So, so what's the, what's the use case then for, you know, these hundred megapixel cameras, is it just for the billboard that's going to happen to be in the subway, you know, where you're like, you're like up right up close. Did the you? thing is, you know, if you go up to those billboards or, you know, posters or whatever, they're not printed high res either. Right. So it's kind of all bullshit. Like I guess cropping could be kind of nice, but then, you know, you're losing tons of lens resolution. Um, maybe it's like fine art, still lifes <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so if you want to take the really huge photo of a potato then that's what you need that's right It'll and then you huge. could use a potato to photograph that potato and that would be good enough for the billboard and you could use the potato to power the potato right so that would that's a great idea actually if somebody wants to make a lot of money use a potato powered potato to shoot a potato in 50 megapixels and put that on a print and have Peter Lick sell it in his gallery for $6 million. Well, speaking of Peter Lick, I think he is the perfect example of why you would want more megapixels. To be honest, I'm not even sure what he's shooting on nowadays, but I just was in his studio in uh, Vegas at WPPI and like his prints look amazing. They, they look you. amazing, and uh, we recently made a video, you know, kind of calling out one of his new moon pictures for being fake, um, but right. I'm still a huge fan of his work. Like, it's kind of weird that he'd put, like, one weird fake Photoshop composite into the mix with all of these other real photographs, but right. if you can just ignore that one picture, every single other one of his prints just looks incredible. And so yeah. having the resolution for those is certainly worth it. Hey, when did you post that article? Um, I can look real quick. Why do you ask? Well, because I'm curious because I went into the gallery as well. And yeah, I've always known his images to be, uh, you know, a single file, not, um, you know, not a composite. But I went in and I saw that image and I thought, holy cow, what, you know, what sort of like crazy long lens compression thing did he have to do to pull this thing off? And I asked the guy um, that was, you know, working the gallery. I said, Hey, do you have any idea what lens he used to do that? 
he said, oh, I don't know, but he, he shot the moon at this and then he put the tree over the top of that and then he put the, there was something, I forgot what it was, in the like lower left-hand corner. So it was like three different images layered on top of each other, which was super rare for them. So the video that we made says it came out one month ago. Um, so they probably saw your, they probably saw that and they were like, oh, I guess we have to, uh, we have to tell people now. <laughs> To be fair, like I don't, I don't want to just you know shit all over Peter Lick because I actually am a fan of his work. Um, yeah, in the comments, a few people did say before our video came out that they had specifically asked about this photo and other photos, and they had been told that they were composited. So as yeah. long as the salesmen are saying that it's a composite, then I have no problem with it. I still think it's a little bit of a strange choice from Peter Lick to like just move into this fake you know composite world of digital art rather than photography when he's focused on photography for so long but uh you know it it's an amazing looking shot the average person would never think of it like we do what type of lens is that and how clear was the environment yeah. for him to shoot through all of that you know right but uh you know when you i don't know if you've seen the original shot whatever this like uh the rocks and the trees and stuff are, but there's actually like a background of mountains back there that have been completely removed. Hmm. So it's not even like trying to be somewhat realistic. It's just totally fake. Yeah. That is interesting because yeah, like you said, everything else that he does is, um, you know, a single photo that, you know, has been, has been, you know, manipulated probably in, uh, you know, on one or something. I, I'm just wondering, like, is it a single photo now? You know, they always told me it was. I always went in there years ago when I first went to Peter Lick's studio. It was probably at a WPPI. And I'm like, how is he doing this? What camera? Oh, he only shoots film and it's just one thing and you no know, retouching. And I was like, what? what? That's no. true. <laughs> and now that you see this photo and you go, OK, this isn't even remotely real. It just makes you think, like, how much of these other shots are composited as well you know at least the skies and stuff I, I don't have a problem with it but uh they they always told me oh no no retouching yeah well you know my hat's off to the man because he sold a black and white photo print for six million dollars so you well know, you know you, you know what's so funny that. about that that photo is uh we were recently out west with Alaya filming some lessons for photographing the world, the series that we do on landscape photography. And uh, I think it's called like Antelope Canyon or something where you can shoot those like cracks in the rock or whatever. And you go in there and then there'll be like the light rays and stuff. And you have to pay money to go in there. Right. And, and like if you're a photographer and you want to bring, bring a tripod, it's like triple the amount of money and so we paid that because we wanted to get it for the tutorial you have never seen so many human beings crowded into one canyon and they <laughs> have it timed to the second they they what they will do is they will like everybody's just kind of in there like a madhouse and you know it's probably like two or three people wide so it's really uncomfortably close and then they'll say like okay in 17 seconds, the light is going to start coming from the hole in the top. And they will push all the people who didn't pay for the photography 
lesson or whatever. Yeah. They'll push them deeper into the cave so that we can't see them, right? Then 15 or 20 photographers all stand crouched right <laughs> next to each other. And then the, the guy whom you've paid an insane amount of money to grabs handfuls of sand and throws it into the air <laughs> to get the light rays to show up, right? Yeah. Every single person gets the exact same shot over and over and over and <laughs> over and over and over. And that's what he sold for $6 million. Uh, that is so awesome. <laughs> Uh, so did you sell your photo for $6 million as well? No, man, I tried uh, and you know, I could only get 5 million and I thought, no, I respect my work more than that. I'm not. That's right. Yeah. Just keep it. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. How much did they charge you to go in there? So we need to know what. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, we were just kind of putting it on the F stoppers credit card as like a, you know, there's a production expense. So I didn't even. Well, I just wanted to know if. If uh, if Peter's return on investment was good on that six and a half million or not? Oh yeah, you know, you know it's probably like 150, <laughs> 200 bucks okay. a person. So I don't he, know. And then so he had a decent ROI. Yeah, know? yeah, it was decent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad he didn't just break even. So that's good. Man, this has been fun. Uh, so do you, you said you have you have basically no plans in life. You're just flying by the seat of your pants, but. Yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of like vision, hopes for uh, what's next with F Stoppers? Yeah. So I've got like big picture ideas. I just try to have nothing on the calendar. I'm just, I'm just screwing with you, dude. I'm just screwing with you. No, I, I understand. I understand. I deserve it. Um, so we, we're, we're going to start working on photographing the world for um, people just love these tutorials with Alaya. So in a couple months, the, literally the only thing I have on my calendar is that I'm going to Patagonia with Alaya. And then after that, I think we might be going to Greece or something. Honestly, I, I don't even know. Alaya just says where we're going and I buy the tickets. So like, I, I didn't even buy the tickets. Like we hired a, um, like some sort of travel agent person and I just gave him a credit card and like they booked it. So I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're staying. I don't know what we're shooting. This is how we always film these tutorials with him. <laughs> um, I also eventually I've got to finish writing this book. I'm trying to write a book on kind of like, it's kind of like a self-help business type of inspirational book. Um, that'll hopefully be a little different than what's already out there. And, um, one day I would love to write and direct a movie. I've got some ideas for that, but I've never really tried to do a movie before. So I gotta, gotta learn a lot before doing that. Um, and then, I really want to hit YouTube hard in 2018. I want to see if we can, you know, actually start getting some traction rather than just, you know, making videos that we feel like we put a ton of work in, but not that many people are watching. So we're going to be trying to make more free content than we have this year. Awesome. Well, I love what you do. Uh, the stuff always inspires us on a regular basis, and that's why, uh, you know, Taylor, our producer, is constantly sharing what you guys are up to because – it's great stuff. So I'm thankful to what you guys have contributed to the community for um, for both photographers and for for filmmakers. Um, so yeah, thanks well, for thank what you, you do, man. I I appreciate you enjoying the website without anybody visiting. I would still be a wedding photographer to this day. 
<laughs> which we all know is the worst thing ever so uh no i, I, I always said I feel like wedding photography is like the best job i could ever imagine i always used to say Absolutely. that and then f-stoppers came around and went oh that's, that's a little better but um if, <laughs> if i had to go back and be a wedding photographer um i i would still feel very grateful absolutely for sure well uh for for anyone who wants to find you, um, obviously fstoppers.com. Where else do you want people to look? That's literally it. I get an email every couple of days saying, hey, Lee, I think your personal website and your wedding website's down. And uh, it is. I don't know why it's down, but it's been down for like a year or two. And I haven't even really looked into it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> fstoppers is the only place you can find me at the moment. Well, we also definitely want to check out the YouTube channel as well. So just F stoppers on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You can just Google it. It'll come right up. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I definitely am excited for you and this, uh, the world travels that are coming up and, and all the education that you'll be doing. So, uh, if you're looking to, looking to step your game up and you want some more, uh, some more great information, both both free and premium. Definitely hop on over to F Stoppers and check that out. Thanks so much, man. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic. <laughs>